The team you got to watch out for, Tom, is Baltimore missing the playoffs. Com- I know. Of our I, Super Bowl picks. I know. Win the Super Bowl. If they lose to Pittsburgh, which they should, if the game gets played because it could get postponed, there's five players now in COVID protocol for Baltimore. So Baltimore would love the game to get postponed. Love yep. it. And if it doesn't, then if they lose, they're going to be six and five. Can you imagine Baltimore missing out by Tua in Miami or Cleveland? Could be yeah, the Raiders. One of those teams will knock them out. I think you're suffering from recency bias. Just because the Ravens played poorly in a couple of games doesn't mean they're not going to bring it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And over the course of, God, the last decade, that's always been a great game. And the away team many times wins. So over the course of the last decade, uh, Steelers tend to squeak it out in Baltimore and the Ravens tend to squeak it out in Pittsburgh. Matter of fact, that's my stone-cold lead pipe lock for Thanksgiving Day. If it's played on the national broadcasting company, better known by its gangster name, NBC. The Ravens getting four and a half points against the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens are going to beat the Steelers. Lamar Jackson's going to be back. Baby, and when everybody thinks that it's going to be the Ben Roethlisberger show, it'll turn in to the Lamar Jackson show. If you're going to bet it on the game, go to this hypertext transfer protocol, what some would call a universal resource locator, www.betonline.ag. Uh, from game spreads and totals, uh, team player and coaching props. I love the props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online on the World Wide Web. And there's also an online casino that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. BetOnline AG is the place to go. Take advantage of all the great up sign-in bonuses. BetOnline AG. Sign up. It's the momento today. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 58. Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes went on a game-winning drive in Las Vegas. Were you there? I was there. I'm there for every game, home and away, sitting behind the iconic Brent Musburger after he calls a Jason Witten touchdown. On the Mm. other side of the stadium, he's in the 400 broadcast booth with his son, Scott the Spotter with the binoculars, because wherever you are, and he's got the broadcast to him, Al Michaels is below him. Mm. Al Michaels is pointing out Brent during the broadcast. They had a camera on Brent Musburger, which was really cool. Yeah. So he calls the touchdown to Jason Witten, and I look up, and there's 143 left on the clock. And I said, okay, here we go. I, go, <laughs> I know what Mahomes is going to do. He's going to have a big play. And he went down the length of the field, and the longest pass play of the night and he threw for well over 300 yards. The longest pass completed of the night was the last one. And it was only 22 yards to Travis Kelsey, who was left alone. For whatever reason, the Raiders didn't cover the best guy in the league that you have to cover. This Kelsey's incredible. And I watched Mahomes live do something that I'll tell my grandkids someday. Because he's, the, he's already an MVP. He's the Super Bowl champ at MVP. And I watched him in a game, first time he's ever played in Vegas on national television, do something I watched Brady do, only Brady and Rodgers do, over the last 20 years. And it was tough for the Raiders, tough for everybody who was in the building, just the media and the Raider fans at home. But I got to see Mahomes do something that was about as good as anything I've ever seen. Yeah, and the, this is how great it was. Because you also got to see Derek Carr play as great as any quarterback could play. Ken Stabler, Hall of Famer, 
would have loved to have been as good as Derek Carr. Derek Carr is so accurate. Gotten, he gets, he's exponentially gotten better almost every year of his career. And how old is he? He's in his mid-20s, right? He's, he's going to get better. So that's one thing. I, I feel bad for Derek Carr because it was a great coming out party for Derek Carr and the good Raiders. They've been bad for a long time. The Raiders are good. And this was a real great chance for America to see a great football team on Monday Night Football win the what we thought was win the game with a minute and a half left. And that's unfortunate for Derek Carr because he's a top five quarterback. Isn't that amazing? I'm saying that out loud and it's true. It's not uh, an opinion. It's a fact. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. He was fantastic. He played as good as he could play and he lost the game because of a really interesting topic. He scored too early and I'm a believer in scoring early. I want the points. I talked about there's no guarantee you're going to get in that end zone. You got to get in there. A lot of people say, well, let the clock work the clock down low or low. What do you mean? Don't score. Yeah. Because they had the ball on the one yard line. They took a five yard penalty, went back to the six. They didn't score. And then they had to run another play. And the goal was to score. The right. score wasn't go- to throw an incomplete on purpose and take it to third and fourth down. But I thought this would be a good time for you to formally apologize to Philip Rivers for beating the Titans and Aaron Rodgers back to back and having the Colts now considered not only a playoff contender, but maybe a Super Bowl contender. Rivers, fact, not fiction, outplayed Aaron Rodgers, and he outplayed Ryan Tannehill, who was an MVP candidate last year. Could this be Rivers leading the Colts deep into the postseason? No, because he's not good enough. He, uh, you're, you're, you're cherry-picking is what you're doing. Uh, Rivers, uh, you know I always have the quarterback rating in my pocket like some people carry the Constitution. <laughs> like, uh, who, who is it? I was just seeing uh, Joe Scarborough always carried the Constitution. I carry in his my pocket. picture in the back. It's all frayed now. I, I, don't, I don't put any type of thing around it. I don't protect it, but I have it back there. But You have your wedding picture. Oh, that's cool. Well, uh, and, uh, and Philip Rivers is now the 16th. Well, he's in the bottom half of a quarterbacks in the NFL, right there in the middle, actually, 16. He's number 16th best quarterback or worst. In the, in the NFL, and he throws pick sixes. As soon as I saw the score was 7 nothing, I thought, oh, was it a Phillip Rivers pick six? It wasn't. But you know he makes a lot of mistakes. He chokes down the stretch. I always thought of him as completely. Look, at he is a nice little sideshow. He's not under the big top. He is not under the big. He's Look not a big. Anymore. He's, a he's not a big top over. quarterback. He's the bearded lady. Oh, he just beat Aaron Rodgers. He just beat yes. Hill. And You're cherry picking. Oh, yeah, well, he played. Be- he played well in both the games. And if I don't yeah. balance it out here and I don't bring it up, you're not going to bring it up, and you're going to tell me the next time he throws a pick six. But when I the bring biggest up, problem in sports Aaron right Rodgers, now, there's there's you won't give him a pat on the back. He beat Aaron Rodgers. There's no balanced. There's no balanced coverage of Philip Rivers. Believe me, all he gets is people rolling out red carpets and saying future Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer for a guy with great Vinny Testaverde numbers. Yeah, I think he's better than that. The Buccaneers lost to the Rams 27-24 in a night where Tom Brady was completely outperformed by Jared Goff. He had two touchdowns, two interceptions. He was sacked. It was the first time I could say this because I was lucky to see him play live this year. He beat the Raiders in Vegas, and he combined for five touchdowns. So he had four in the air and one on a snake. And I said, oh, my God, that's one of the best games he's ever played, so I can't be on the bandwagon that he's getting old or he's right up until this past Monday night 
where he looked old, the 15-yard out route, he was bouncing, the long ball, he was overthrowing guys, no timing. Could this be the end of Tom Brady in Tampa? Or do you think he could still play in the Super Bowl in that building? Well, against you got to remember, too, also against rough defenses. We've watched him really choke and look old over the years against the Ravens and the Jets in the playoffs and bounce. And, and against the Falcons in the first half, he can really, and then he gets that bad Eli Manning body language going, storms off the field without shaking hands. What do you think about that? Storming off the field. I always think it's weird who the, the quarterbacks always meet at the, at the field, but at the end of the game. But I think, think? I think you're allowed to leave during COVID. I'll give them the ultimate, ultimate excuse. Oh, you're playing the COVID card from the bottom of the deck. I took out the COVID card <laughs> saying that you're not supposed to be fraternizing. I never used that word enough. You're right. not supposed to be fraternizing okay. after a game. So if the yeah, you have enough risk of community spread, if I could bring that one in while you're playing a football game, uh, there is a, yeah, he does have that. He, that's a good excuse. Okay, I'll take it. Now, if you listen to this before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, or the day after, it could change. But if the playoffs started, as we record this, it's always six teams. The one and two seed get the bye week. Love uh, it. You know, the three plays six, four plays five, but not anymore. They moved it out to seven. Seven teams make it in each uh, conference, and Roger Goodell gave us this contingency model for eight teams, Mm -hmm. which I believe in this conspiracy theory, I think he might go to eight because he knows something that we don't know. That's why he said, hey, I have a contingency plan for eight teams. He didn't roll that out. He rolled it out because he he might use it. But if the playoffs started tonight in the AFC, the Steelers would get a bye week. Kansas City would play the Raiders. Wow. Wow. Another great game. Yeah, it would be Buffalo-Cleveland. Buffalo would be home, Cleveland. Indianapolis-Tennessee. And remember, Pittsburgh would get the bye week. Those are some rough games. Yes. And and, and what I'm just saying is great football teams where some of those scores could be 10-9. to Yes. And if the playoffs started tonight, New Orleans in the NFC, the only 8-2 team, Eight and two, only team with two losses. They'd get the bye week. The Rams would open up against the Bears. The Packers would play the Cardinals, and the Seahawks would play the Buccaneers. Okay, that now that's like that's, that's the only one that I, I can't pick off the top of my head. Now the, the others I think are stone cold lead pipe locks for the favorites, but with, with the Buccaneers and the Seahawks, now that is a game. Oh my God! Would that be that game? Would be played in uh, as of now, unless it changes. That would be played in Seattle. Now okay. Tom Brady's his Tom Brady's last three games. Remember, Brady has seven wins. He's seven and four. His last three games are Atlanta twice, with Detroit sandwiched in. So if you look at that schedule, you can just do the math. That's ten, guaranteed ten wins for Tom Brady. So the schedule. It's still going to play out here and be really interesting down the stretch. I won't get in, into too many details on the schedule, but you know, I think Tampa Bay will be in and New Orleans will be in and Pittsburgh. And How about the Pittsburgh Steelers being undefeated? I mean, and, and, you know, the, you know what's really sad is at some point, if they do lose, no party at Don Shula's this year. We lost Don. No party. Where is the party going to be? 
Mercury Morris. Oh, now that's the party. That's yeah, right. Because now, now that stuff short, Don, Don has passed away. You can have more cocaine at that party. You know, yeah. <laughs> with with Mercury before, you just had to sneak off into the bathroom. Now you can have it right out there in the living room. And then, and, and the, and the, and the coffee table will be great. Everyone's going to be bumping. And the last thing I wanted to hit on sports related, unless you had something else, is that the Lakers, God, they got better. Oh my yes. God. The Lakers, Rob Palenka, while everybody was going on a banana boat or COVID and hiding in their basement, Rob Palenka said, I'm going to go jump everybody and get to work. Yep. Go get up. Dennis Schroeder, who's a hell of a player. Montrez Harrell, I'm going to go get everybody as everybody kind of takes their time and figures out Daryl Morey is going to go to Philly and maybe Harden will go with them or not. Maybe Russell Westbrook will move. Maybe Giannis won't sign. You know what the Lakers did? They said, hey, everybody's sleeping. Let's go get the three out of five best players and upgrade this roster. Now it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Lakers are loaded. Lakers are loaded. And Marc Gasol, the Gasol magic. Remember the magic that happened when Powell came to the L.A. Lakers when the Lakers tried traded Mark Gasol for Powell uh, back in the day to the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, he was a leprechaun for the Lakers, uh, Paul Gasol. He loved the Lakers. And I'm sure Mark, in addition to being a great basketball player, is thrilled to be a Laker. So he'll have an even extra pep in his step, which he always does anyway, because he's a great, smart player. So that was the one I was really excited about for sentimental reasons. Um, And you were the one... We go back in the hot tub time machine 12 months ago when you and I were filling in for Jim Rome on the TV and radio show. And you said that the Laker management was a disaster. And I said, I said, a disaster. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a disaster. And where Looney was right. <laughs> Looney was wrong. And that was okay. Once sooner or later, I was going to be right about the Lakers. Remember all those years on the radio when I said I want LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I would say it half tongue in cheek. All of a sudden, they ended up being Lakers. I thought you were going to say, "By the way." One thing that's been cool about our lives is we've been able to dress immaturely our entire lives. It's been great. Jerseys and boxing shirts and Guns and Roses and Rolling Stones shirts. We didn't really. I think you did a cubicle for a while as a stockbroker, but not long. Yeah, I went through an era where I dressed up all the time. I was forced, like in the movie Boiler Room, to go stand on suits and Porsches and get in debt and look good. And (laughs) I went through an era where I definitely dressed nice and was into that. But, uh, no, getting into radio, that's one of the things that we've used on this podcast to mentor young broadcasters is the big perk is that you could go to work and dress like a teenager. Yeah, yes. Career in the last (laughs) Unless you got to be in a meeting or two, and you know you're not going to make any money unless you're not, unless you're in meetings. Another quick reminder: mm. not, you can't put a baseball hat on backwards and wear khaki shorts and go to work and be Mister Cool Guy on the radio unless you have a meeting or two with sponsors and partners. And you're not going to make money by dressing like a teenager. You got to show up to some meetings too. Really important. I was with a friend today. I've known him well most of his life. He's 32. I've known him uh, since he was 15, a gym friend who became a real friend. Now he's just one of the guys. And I helped him. I mentored him when it came to the job interview process. 
And he got it. He studied to become a teacher. He's a special ed teacher. So, you know, he's got an angel's job. And he he was really think thought he was failing in the interview process. So I Googled some of the questions to ask a you know, potential teacher. And so we started to practice job interviewing. Well, no wonder he wasn't getting any jobs. I opened up with the first question, JT. I said, oh, why do you want to be a teacher? And he went, oh. <laughs> and he, he didn't even know how to answer the fucking question. So I thought, okay, that's where the problem is. He wasn't any good at the job interview process, and he became great because we practiced. Like when Kobe scored 81 points and your son asked you about it, I'll never forget. You said, you said, you know what this comes from, son? Practice. That was your answer to him. Speaking of that, I want to tie my wife in because she mm-hmm. got rave reviews on our last podcast. Oh, yes. It was it's great. a great way to trick your friends. If you you're like my mother-in-law <laughs> didn't notice it, my dad. So the people that were counting on to get clicks and downloads. Finally clicked. Where, where was this? So we have to trick people again. I want to give thanks to our podcast subscribers. I want to give thanks to Believe as we switch the podcast over to Believe Podcast Network. And Everybody who's been with us in 2020 is this is our Thanksgiving edition. And I'm very thankful during a year that was really volatile, dramatic, filled with a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. And I hope we're getting to the home stretch yeah. of something. I just can't still figure it out what that home stretch is. Well, I hope so, too. I was reading today about the vaccine, and it sounds like a great idea. And I assume I'll probably get the two vaccines um, one thing they haven't told us, though, of course, they tell you all the good stuff with some of the uh, side effects of the vaccine make you feel achy and freak you out because you make you think you think you have the virus that that will bother me. But uh, I, I I talked to my doctor about this yesterday and I said, so I said, so do I come to your doctor? He's giving me a flu shot. I said, do I come to your office for the covid vaccine? He said, no, it'll probably be done through Walgreens, CVS. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, God, so I got to stand in a line. He said, no, this is America. Unfortunately, you won't have to stand. <laughs> he says, because there's too many people out there getting their information from Facebook. And, you know, probably 40 percent aren't going to get it. Yeah, you know? I want to hear from the actual general who's been on TV. You know, that general who's going to be like a movie, like the Godzilla movie or whatever, when the general shows up in the Jeep and you look up <laughs> in the sky, and there's chaos and there's lights. Right. And the general comes there and he has the vaccine or the torpedo or whatever you need. <laughs> that actual general to kind of go on a world tour. You know, like a world tour where the general comes to Vegas. Right. He's a four-star general in this very political, wild time, and he's going to go from city to city and oversee it. Do you think people are going to try to steal the vaccine? It's got to be cooled, 98 below zero. I think it's going to be kind of complicated to do this, but this general in our military is ready for this really big job. It's going to be a military military rollout here and you know me i'm pro-military i like the military on my football field i like the flag i like him giving me my vaccine i love when the military gets involved so maybe i'll get it from a general well i also think trader joe's might be involved if they got to keep it at 98 degrees below zero isn't that how they flash freeze their food <laughs> trader joe's and why their frozen food tastes so good because they have that 98 degree below zero flash frozen food at trader joe's so i guess <laughs> maybe that's where they're going to store the vaccine. Vaccine. Maybe we'll get our vaccine at Trader Joe's. 
Well, not to make it too political, because the vaccine is very political. Yeah, somehow, you are having yes. a transition of power or a lack of transition of right. power as we record this. But this Operation Warp Speed and the private, the private sector and these big companies that were able to come through with it, the government that did a really good job with this, pushing it through, they are pushing it through, and that should be cause for concern. Because they're moving it up quicker. You you threw out that 95% number so gingerly like it was a quarterback rating. Like, is this going to be 95% effective? I guess that's what they're telling us. That's what it's going to say on the TV commercial before they tell us all the side effects when we go get it. But I'm ready for it. We need something new. I'm ready for the vaccine. Well, believe me, side effects are listed in TV commercials as well, as you know from all these things. <laughs> Sometimes so, I just watch the commercial to hear the side effects. To hear the side effects, which sometimes I love when they say death. Like, death is not a side effect. <laughs> it's like, death is death. That's not a side effect. A headache is a side effect. What is it, vomiting, uh, diarrhea are the big ones, and then there's some crazy ones. Well, there's some cr- the way, prolonged <laughs> erections. <laughs> Do you know, it's a fun fact here, JT, when you go to, did, did you ever, when you went to Italy, did you end, ever end up going to Pompeii? Yes, I did go to Pompeii. Ooh, so then you saw in Pompeii, you know, for those, uh, for those with Priapus that comes from prosperity. And in Pompeii, if you wanted prosperity, you either hired a houseboy with a big, <clears throat> or uh, if, you, if you couldn't afford that, you drew one, like, like we as kids would draw our initials in cement. They would draw a big penis in the cement. Do you remember seeing that in Pompeii? Remember, I might have avoided that. I, didn't <laughs> I might have went on the PG version. Did you go on the X-rated? No, it was. It, I was the P- remember, it's all it's, around your neck when you went to that section of the Pompeii tour. What was that like? Well, remember this. This is Europe, so that would not be a, yes, an X-rated true. version. <laughs> they got, they got, they have boobs and penises all over Europe, hanging in your face. But when we went uh, to Pompeii. It was one of the hottest days in Italy. We caught oh, okay. a four day in Venice. We caught a day in Pompeii that it was so uncomfortably hot. And I don't mind the heat. I don't remember the humidity. I just remember how hot it was. And we walked around and it was incredible. I'll never see it again in my entire life. The only time that we saw people frozen in time, burnt <sighs> yeah. from the ashes in mid walk where they were standing that was incredible yeah and some of them and some of it incredibly sad admit they were hugging each other knowing it was happened some of them and and they just um they just discovered within the last week well at least they had not made the announcement where they found a couple of more uh of people frozen in time and it's fascinating the process which how they pointed out i guess they they uh, pour in concrete and so all of a sudden the body comes to life and you see how it was uh, we also went to south of Pompeii. There's a place called Herculeum, which is even more well-preserved, but not as famous, not as big as Pompeii. But that got covered in mud, and the mud preserved it better than the ash preserved Pompeii. It's also, and that's the one that has the, the loading dock down by what was the Mediterranean Sea, but the, the volcano, you know, added 200 yards or whatever of of beachfront but what used to be the beachfront and it's all these people waiting in these loading docks and all these skeletons and all these families all hugging each other and it's uh dozens and it's like you're going to awake it was strange there was when i first got there was a lot of kids there and it was thanksgiving day so it wasn't busy because there were no americans there they're all back in the you know america so there are no american tourists and i thought 
wow, it's too bad there's all these kids here. It's going to be a commotion. But everyone was quiet, like you were at a wake. And it was, and people walked around very respectfully. And you could go in all these boathouses. There were about eight of them. And each boathouse had people in it that were frozen in time, you know, from that that eruption in 71 AD or 73 AD. And it's a, it's a fascinating place to go, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'll say this, you know, a lot of people are talking about where they want to go on their next trip after COVID. Very important question that everybody should ask themselves. Right. If you've got to plan out trips, if you're going to do a trip right, plan it. I will probably go back to Italy before I go to other places I've never been to before that are on my list. I've been to Spain. I recently right. went to Paris and London and Italy a number of years ago. There's so much more I want to do in Italy and so much that I've already seen. I want to see again the same thing like Florence and mm -hmm. the Malfi Coast that I hope that we can get around to doing it together. We can do it with friends and, oh. and go there because the next time I do it with my kids, because the kids, I'm paying for college. They don't deserve to go on a trip like this. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get through college and prove they can graduate college okay. before they can line up trips like this. My dad didn't take me to Italy when I, when I was at, you know, in between my sophomore and junior year at Geneseo State University. We didn't right. go to Pompeii and the Amalfi Coast. But I'd like to do the next trip with friends, you know, couples and you know, four or five couples. Oh. And really do it, that it, way. It, it's, it is a terrific idea. And I will tell you, our second trip, to Italy was even better because you've been there before, stayed in old Rome. There's a hotel in front of the Trevi Fountain, you know, a hotel that is a thousand years old or something like that. And it's not even popular. It's not a popular hotel. I'm dumbfounded by that. Every room you open up the window and it's looking at the Trevi Fountain and it's in old Rome. And so if you just go live in old Rome for a few days too, and it's just, you know, you walk down the street to get, a beer, uh, or I remember getting a Moretti's beer on draft, or a, a cup of coffee, or whatever, a glass of wine with some cheese. Then, and you're and you're sitting across from the Parth, you know, from from a building that's three. What's what's the oldest building there? It's not the Parthenon, that's in Greece. The um, anyway, it doesn't matter. You you just you turn a corner, and all of a sudden, there's a legendary piece of property that's been around for thousands and thousands of years it's just there's no place like italy wow and that's why when i went to we went to paris recently on that last trip we stayed in the neighborhood of notre dame and this oh, was wow. before notre dame burned which will never be the same again i hope wow. they kept the structure and people are going to go there but you missed it I, i'm sorry you could see the beautiful grounds around it but you'll never see notre dame the way you were supposed to see it and we stayed two blocks from there and the Shakespeare bookstore and Notre Dame and right there on the river and to walk around. There was, there was a time when my wife was getting ready. We we're going to go out to dinner and it was going to take her 45 minutes to get ready, shower, get ready, pick out her clothes. And I just left the room with a beer and I walked down and just sat across the street from Notre Dame, <sighs> looked at it because I knew I wouldn't be back for years. And I wanted to just, just look at it and get an extra 40 minutes in it. Yeah, it's, it's incredible when you go to Europe and do that. And I think now, you know, and I think that's one of the paranoias in America about socialism, et cetera, is now that people can travel, now that there's the Internet, they're afraid we'll discover Europe. <laughs> so a lot of people who don't want us to become Europe, people who don't want us to become Europe are crazy. Europe's great. But uh, I, I, it was the, by the way, it was the Pantheon was the word I was yes. looking for that, that you, we turned the corner and all of a sudden 
wanted to have a, we said, okay, we got to have a coffee here. With the hole in the ceiling. Yeah. It was breathtaking. Yeah. And so there's just so much in, uh, in Europe and in Italy. And if, and, and a lot of times, right. You're right. You want to go to places where you haven't been rather than go back to Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> right. Like I have so many times, but you know, it got made fun of by so many family members who have traveled saying, you're going back there again. But it's all, we made friends there. And you know, that's part of the fun of traveling is, uh, and, and, you know, people worry about America's reputation, no matter who the president is around the world. No, you know, because people who travel tend to be open, tend to be kind, tend to be social. So with the best, you know, we don't need to worry about our president or our state department when they've got you and me, JT, traveling around the world, saying hello to everybody and making friends. We all got COVID tested, six of us, seven of us, and all came up negative and knew it. I'd all go to Barstow. I'd go to a, a roadside inn in Barstow, oh. in Palmdale, with six of my friends and lock the doors. Oh, just to be able to hang out. Just to hang out with my friends. I know. Make I was... sure. And, and that, depending on when you're downloading the podcast, Thanksgiving, as we're ahead of Thanksgiving by a day and a half. And if you're listening to it coming off Thanksgiving, this is, a, this is the toughest Thanksgiving of our lives. Mm-hmm. It really is, because Christmas is Christmas. We'll see what happens next. Because last Christmas and Thanksgiving, the world was normal to the degree of right. pandemic and health. But I think that the way this started in February, March, the lockdowns, the startups, the lockdowns, I think people are so disappointed where the numbers are trending right now, today, 259,000 dead, the millions of cases and all of that, and it's not getting better, right. that people are going to have a tough time on this Thanksgiving because I know people are turning down the opportunity, rightfully so, of seeing family, not friends, because they're concerned that if someone gets sick for Thanksgiving, they might not make it to Christmas. I know. I'm putting up a fence at the house on Thanksgiving. It's uh, it's just one of those things keep me busy, and I wish so much I could be with friends and family, and I'm going to try to just be safe and keep it to the household. And that's the rules in L.A. You can have as many as 15. Lots lots of rules. New rules in L.A. As many as 15 people, but those 15 people have to be from only three households, including the household that is holding the party. No outsiders. And so there's lots of new rules here, especially in La La Land. Well, these rules before Gavin Newsom went to French Laundry and got caught. (laughs) No, Gavin Newsom. Oh, after, after he went to that scandalous party. Could you imagine in 2020 a politician saying one thing and doing another? (laughs) It's just so surprising to find that. Politicians didn't want to get caught in a brothel or a (laughs) massage parlor. Now it's a restaurant. (laughs) Now you can't get caught at a restaurant with 10 people without a mask on. That's funny. Oh, my God. One quick thing about French Laundry. I've been in there once uh, for a sit down, but I wasn't there for the full meal. You can get the $350 serving. Uh That's a $350 per head serving. That doesn't include wine. Okay, the whole whole thing. This is the food and the course meal that comes out with his breathtaking. I sat down. I was at a Raiders training camp where people were up there and they invited me and I couldn't go. So I said, Can I, do you mind if I come see the place and come and join you for a drink? They said, Anytime you want during the meal. And I came probably, they were an hour and a half, two hours into what was a four or five hour experience. And I caught the back end of it and I saw the presentation. And all the different courses and everybody looking on in astonishment. The greatest food, the greatest presentation I've ever seen. Wow. Gavin Newsom was French Laundry. 
in Napa, and there are places. Oh, so it's hard to turn down, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had to do something that I couldn't get out of, and you go to this place, and it's the experience of a lifetime. I mean, people go there once in their life, and then the regulars who continue to go back are filthy rich, usually, and really foodies and want to spend that right. time. Money. There's great restaurants all throughout Napa, but that's at the top of the list. Wow. And, you know, here's, here he was on the spot. Hey, you're governor. How, off, how long are you going to be governor of California? And there is a lockdown. You, if you get caught at this birthday party, it'll suck. But you're going to get to go to this place and probably not have to pay. <laughs> he said, okay, I'll take the risk. I'll take the risk and I'll take the heat. Wow. How many... So I'm guessing they serve you 12 courses yeah, and it's so 10, 11, 12. Yeah. And so, and what they do is they serve you a normal say you know, America. We're used to um, enormous size portions and a cheesecake factory size portions. They probably serve you normal size portions and a little dish and it's 12 incredible things. Right? I didn't want to get too much. It is. It is. It's exactly that, but better. It's that much right. better. You should go to French Laundry if you get an opportunity in your life to go there. Let, let me just say one thing about this podcast is this was the place that I was going to come at least to talk politics. Right. I don't want to talk about it on the radio. Right. And even, even in my head on the podcast, I say to myself, get off the politics, get off the politics because we're going to alienate. You know, alienate some of the oh, audience. People get really we have, we have a, a a culture now where it's like professional wrestling. You have to choose one side or the other and pummel the other person uh, into your and believing your opinion. I have to. What we have to do when we talk politics as an American many times is we have to beat, render our opponents senseless, rather than just. Uh, opening up conversation to the marketplace of ideas. We don't do that anymore. Anyway, we could stop that little bell that goes off. You got mail because, you know, I hate noise. Oh, really? <laughs> when that goes off, every time it goes, bing. I, 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 right now I'm going to cancel the AOL period. I'll just go, I'll, I'll close that window. I just don't want kids at school knowing I'm still on AOL. <laughs> That's all I ask. Hey, matter of fact, I'm going to see who's actually listening. I have my original That'll be a, this will be a fun contest. Okay. Whoever, whoever emails me first with the podcast saying they listen to this, I'll know who's listening and we'll, we'll put something together. I got t-shirts, okay. nice package to someone. It's talkbrick at AOL.com. My original AOL, talkbrick, love it. We'll never get rid of it. I have the Gmail. Right, me too. Why yep. would you ever get rid of something as beautiful? As talk brick at AOL.com. Yeah, and I have a perfect one, which I'm not giving out uh, for uh, on AOL. And but also, uh, and I have a good reason for keeping it. And that is, and you and I are, are both similar. You don't want to lose touch with anybody who doesn't evolve and get a Gmail and other things. And so you want people to be able to get a, get a hold of you. You want to be predictable and not disappear on people. I like to be predictable. And if my email is predictable, my phone number, as you know, is very predictable. Oh, it's a great it's phone gonna, number. It's oh. not going to change. Whenever so, I tell one of my producers or associate producers I'm working with, because you come on, right. you know, what, what's Looney's number? And I'll give it to them. They'll go, they all, every one of them said, wow, how do you get that number? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's a great number. It's a great number. But- it's, it's a really cool story. When I first, when I was a baby talk show host at Extra Sports 1150 in Los Angeles, Looney and Dave show. I, uh, singular wireless, there was a time in America where not enough people had cell phones. Can you imagine? And it's only going back about 20 years in the hot tub time machine. And so they paid us X amount of dollars, a nice check every month to do personal endorsements of singular wireless. And with it, 
I got a VIP phone number, and it's really a cool number. So we'll see. I'll look in the inbox at TalkBrick at AOL.com. We'll see who's actually downloading and sharing and rating this podcast. Okay. But as I mentioned, politics and trying to stay out of it. But how can you stay out of it? How can you stay out of it as we're coming through an election? That's- well, especially with two people like you and me who pay attention to everything. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that we just mentioned Gavin Newsom. So to be fair, we'll go to my town in New York where I'm initially from, even though mm-hmm. I live in Vegas. The fact that Governor Cuomo accepted an Emmy Award for his coronavirus briefing is one of the most irate, crazy moments. I mean, I want to go through this Zoom call right now and break something because all the people that died in the nursing homes, all the people that were directed, directed by that governor to go to a nursing home or feel feel comfortable, the alarming amount of people that died, for him to get an Emmy Award for, quote, leadership during the pandemic, Twitter went nuts. I'm looking at one of the columns here right now. Now, look, politically, I don't have a problem. I grew up with the Cuomos. Right. With that. So I don't hate the Cuomos. I don't yeah. say Fredo to Chris Cuomo. I see him on CNN. I don't have hatred to him. I have yeah. nothing. And even I even, love their father. Yeah. yeah, I love their father. And even Governor Cuomo now in New York, what drives me crazy is all he did was give briefings. They were pretty good. Mm-hmm. He played him up emotionally. He was an actor, talked about his mom, him making the sauce, his brother who had coronavirus, his life at the mansion and all that. Some of it was very interesting to me. You don't reward someone by giving some bullshit made up Emmy. When they do in memoriam at the end of the Oscars or the Emmys, it brings a tear to my eye. When they give a lifetime achievement award, follow me, to the person who never won the Academy Award because they never won it. And then they're in their 80s and their 90s and they want to give it to them because they were in 35 movies and they were great in most of them, but they didn't win it. They give them a lifetime achievement award. I'm fine with it. Don't tell me we're giving a governor who made that many mistakes during a political pandemic some type of trophy because he gave a press conference and they put it on TV. I'm a right over this. It bothers me. Yeah, and uh, and you have a great point. And I love Governor Cuomo, and I would be inclined to vote for Governor Cuomo if I'm in New York, but I don't think you're wrong. And and I know that uh, with frickin' frack political talk right now, you're supposed to just uh, get upset if your opponent, if the person you're talking to, doesn't like somebody you like or something about them, but I'm not going to defend the indefensible. Part of the problem we had, and part of the reason we ended up with Trump is because we're worshiping show business too much. And we're rewarding show and we're giving, we're electing people governor and president, and Trump's not the first. People who are movie stars, we're electing governor and president because they look good on TV, but they don't come from politics. And I've always said this, if you hire a florist, to fix your car, it's not going to get fixed properly. We need somebody from outside politics. We need somebody to shake things up. No, shaking things up is not good. Uh, and we need some uh, businessman. No, no, businessmen come from business. Politics is not business. We need a politician. Uh, and it's a noble profession, serving others. A lot of them could do a lot of other things. But when we start giving Emmy Awards, I, I agree with you, and we start getting too show busy about politics, and it's got an element of show business to itself, but we're going down a slippery slope. we got to stop electing people because they're good on television or because they're entertaining on television and elect people because they're competent. Mrs. Thatcher. Your Majesty. Your party has won the election. It is my very great pleasure to invite you to form a government in my name. 
Congratulations, Prime Minister. Thank you, ma'am. I love season four of The Crown. I watched it. It was brilliant television because brilliant television has to do with sets, has to do with the beauty, what we see behind from Buckingham Palace to Scotland to the rivers, to the outdoor scenes. It was incredible. Season four, which really showed the tension between Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles, and a young princess, Diana Spencer, who became the Princess of Wales, and to see her life and how it developed into being a shy young girl who developed into a shy young girl with an eating disorder who became the princess, was in a horrific marriage, terrible terrible marriage and what happened i'll leave it at that because there's a lot of people that haven't finished season four. yeah i've only seen episode one so far it, Terrific. It's just incredible uh you will be blown away by margaret thatcher i mm-hmm. believe that she's the storyline too in this and what what i learned I'm, I'm just fascinated you know i love downton I was one of the first <laughs> who went downstairs with the help at Downton Abbey and turned a lot of people yeah, on. The only heterosexual guy I know watched yeah, Downton Abbey. The only heterosexual <laughs> sports talk host that went downstairs and wanted to hang with the help, not upstairs with all, all the aristocrats. I wanted to be downstairs with Downton Abbey. But The Crown was fantastic television because it took me back into a time, the 80s and the 90s. Yep. I graduated high school in 83, college in 87, Went on to be a stockbroker in the late 80s into 90s. And the soundtrack, the music, and what was happening at that point in time to the crown overseas. Just going back and, and knowing more about it. I love the show. I love it. Oh, it's, it, it's, it, I, I love the, the earlier incarnations of it, the earlier seasons of it. And I've only watched one episode. Well, I'm, I'm as, it might be episode two. I'm as far as Lord Mountbatten's assassination. That's where I am now, which was intense and incredible. The effect that he had both on Prince Charles and Prince Charles' father, who had fought for the affection of Lord Mountbatten, both of them with one of them with both of them with pretty much absentee dad's issues going on there. And so, uh, God, I've loved that so far. I've I've just finished up with the Queen's Gambit. Did you? Uh, you're, you're, oh, and it was your wife. Who uh, and her beautiful debut here on the JT Looney podcast? Who had recommended it to me? She was the second person to recommend it, so I jumped right in. It's set during the Cold War, an orphaned chess prodigy, Beth Harmon is her name, uh, in the movie in the series. She struggles with addiction as she tries to become the greatest chess player in the world. Everybody and, and the people in it are just kind of in an odd way. Everyone's really sexy in, in it as well, and it is just. Terrific. And I thought I turned off the AOL on you. I promised you I That's it. it. There it is again. We're going for a record. There's some type of record in play. But can I go back to the crown for a second? Sure. Because I have a problem with this and the Queen's Gambit, a lot of it, you know, fiction when you go through what you're mm-hmm. seeing in this. But I tell you about the crown, the only problem I have with the actor Tobias Menzies, who plays Prince Philip. Is amazing. Oh, love- he's great. Helen or Bonham Carter, I believe, is going to beat out everyone, including Olivia Coleman, who's won an Academy Award already. And she plays Queen Elizabeth II in this. She's the star of the older queen. And then Gillian Anderson is Margaret Thatcher. And from the X-Files, when, when you see her in this role, it will knock you down. But when it comes to Princess Diana, 
and the actress there, and all the actors are tremendous in this. I just don't like the fact that they took such liberty with Charles and Diana in some of the conversations that they had that they never had. Are you sure that they never? Because I thought. because, Because someone's passed away. And they're going into private rooms in the Abbey or they're going in mm-hmm. to their bedroom to have an argument. No one was there for that. Prince Charles never agreed to that. He's not getting a credit for this. He's not a writer on this. So the liberty they take to give us the impression of what we think of both of those individuals who we're all familiar with, I think they went too far. And it makes for brilliant television, really good television. But can you imagine if you were Prince William and Prince Harry or Meghan Markle, or anybody watching that show, Charles comes across as a total ass. Uh, the scenes of Princess Di and her eating disorder, imagine being her surviving sons and have to watch that. Now, they had to cover it and talk about it, but the way they depicted it was really intense, and that must be really tough on the royals. Yeah, it is. Well, I think that that's what you know, people would normally chuckle at somebody saying really tough on the Royals, because a lot of times from covering sports, we, the general, we in general forget these are human beings and think of them as cartoon characters or thinking the Royals is not really living a rough life. And that's one of the greatest things about this series, period, is you get to see how lonely life can be and how sometimes it really sucks when you are part of the royal family. Okay, you're riding around in chariots and living in castles. But sometimes, you know, uh, is it Princess Anne that refers to her own family, except for Charles, as reptiles? Yeah. Are you going to go hang out with the reptiles? Because she's kind of a down-to-earth person and can't understand why everybody in the family is so cold like an alligator. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And that's, that's a mistake we often make, and we, we've, we've covered that in sports, how people think millionaire athletes have it made because they've got a million dollars and like no forgetting they're 24 and their brain's not fully developed. And that's why they're And so they have plenty of problems and plenty of things they worry about. Well, that's why I love the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, because I love his character because every scene of every broadcast, he is in a coat and a tie eating and a butler is serving him every meal the guy's ever had in his life there's no in and out burger hey i'm gonna go pick up a slice (laughs) i'm gonna go eat at the pub right hey i'm gonna go to the pub he went to the pub every meal he's sitting in a castle at the longest table there's a butler there serving him something beautiful gorgeous gold knife and fork and he's eating and he's cutting his food every meal (laughs) so i'm just fascinated so i would switch tom if you told me there would be some misery in my life but i would have to live in buckingham palace in one of the side rooms i would be uh i would be excited to do it because (laughs) i don't know what happened in my life but i'm really fascinated by british intrigue with british television some of these movies and some of these great series, including The Crown. Well, because we're white guys, they're probably our cousins. You know, I mean, there's, we have we have we have. I I always said I was Irish and Polish, and then my cousin was just doing some genealogy, and my great grandmother was born in England. So I I've uh, maybe it was a great great grandmother, but so I've got English roots as well as Irish and Polish roots. So uh, so maybe that's part of it too. Part of our uh, part of our heritage that we're watching and have a fascination with. When, you know, if we were Middle Eastern, they would be our enemies forever. 
or if we were Sicilian, they would be our enemies forever because we fought the revolution against that country. But part of, I think, is part of the charm of Americans and American culture as we grow our very young culture is we do also forgive and forget and become friends with our enemies like England and Japan. Remember, I'm courageous enough to live tweet. When there's four minutes left in a game, Right. I'm tweeting during that moment. I don't wait till four minutes ends and then come in and go, hey, did you see the Rams beat Tom Brady? Did you see that Brady intercepted twice? I'm the guy with four minutes to go saying Brady got the ball back. He can win the game. And I think you oh, really- you're willing to be well, the, the thing that you've always done on Twitter is I would never put my picks on Twitter because then they sit there when they're wrong. I just I, I would usually just put a live feed of the audio when I'm right. <laughs> I'll put that out on Twitter. But you never did that. You never did that punk ass uh, shit. You've you have always uh, predicted games on Twitter, predicted outcomes and were willing to be wrong and have a stone cold frozen take. And that takes a lot more balls on Twitter. Well, don't compliment me. I blocked someone else today and had a trivial DM back and forth fight. Really? With <laughs> what are you blocking the grown man again today? Ah. So, you know, it happens because, as I've said this a thousand times, too, if I said it once, if an anonymous bully or someone who's known comes after me or anybody personally and says something wrong or bad or intimidating like a bully and they put it out there, what I do is I don't let it live out there. I react to it. Not everybody, not everybody, but certain people that cross it, I'll slide into their DMs and say, you know, that wasn't right. That isn't good to do. And they never expect you to slide in to the DMs because they're punks, they're cowards, they're internet assassins. So when you slide into their DMs, it's kind of <laughs> like you, walk, you, knocked, you knocked on their door. And you found out where you lived and you're at the front door and they got, oh, my God, JT's out front. How did he find out where I lived? He wants to come into the come into the house and yell at me. That's why I slide into the DMs every once in a while. It's the New York and you just can't leave it alone sometimes. The only person who saw the awful thing they said was their seven followers. <laughs> but I don't like bullies. Give me I know. And, you know, I don't that's, like, that's I don't the like Internet bullies because little girls and little boys and everybody. It's awful. When they get bullied by Internet trolls. There's a few of us on the internet that like to fight them back. Well, how about, I mean, here's the thing about the internet that is so high school. And that is once you used to, once you get out of high school into college and go on to adult life and, you know, let's say you're part of a minority and you're black, you're gay or whatever. Usually you left that behind in high school. If someone was saying awful things about your ethnicity, your race, your sexual orientation, you grow up into adult worlds where people don't talk like that. But then all of a sudden the internet comes out and it's and, and, and high school's back for the rest of your life. And that's the really shitty side of the internet. And I don't, I don't blame you, but one day there will be an art gallery in New York city, Los Angeles or Milan. And all they will have <laughs> is collections of your DMS. Your, the awful things that you've said <laughs> to people in the app. You think it'll be? Will they be serving champagne and hors d'oeuvres? Yes. People looking at them and, and just looking at the. Yes, table. I will be there in a sleeveless tux, and I will be eating those hors d'oeuvres, looking at your awful DMs. It'll be up there, and you know, twenty by twenty lithographs up on the wall. <laughs> Have a safe Thanksgiving, my friend. You too. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.